I am so excited about my new living translation. I just love my new living translation. I, I know it's not perfect, but I've never found an English translation that is. Now, maybe the Spanish version is perfect because, after all, it is the language of heaven. You know? and, and, and to all of my Hispanic brothers and sisters who are here today, say that I'm very jealous of you. Number one, you all look good. Number two, you have the best food on the planet. And number three, you have the language of heaven. That is just not fair. That is just not fair. But I love my New Living Translation, and I love the way 2 Corinthians 9 is translated. I'd like you to, to notice it with me here on the screen. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10, note it, look at this. It says, God, would you just read it with me? It says, God will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Isn't that awesome? That is so fantastic. It says God will provide, but not only that, he's going to increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And God wants to give you an abundance so that you can live a life of generosity. Generosity, of course, as has been said several times already today, is revealed in different ways. Sometimes it's giving some food out of your cupboard to a person on the street. My son likes to do that. He lives in Spokane, and there's a lot of homeless people that go through Spokane. And he likes to, to do this. He likes to go through there and help them out. I'm very proud of him for his heart, his tender heart, toward people who are less fortunate than he is. Sometimes it means putting a little money in the offering plate to the best of our ability. And sometimes it means giving a parking spot to somebody who pulled in at the same time as you. They're always shocked when you say, go ahead. They can't believe it because they're not used to people behaving like that. One time there was an elderly lady. She came pulling into the parking lot about the same time I did, and I gave her the parking spot. It was the right thing to do. She's a lady. And she's, she was old enough to be my mother. I said, here, you go ahead. Besides that, it was raining. Can you imagine that? Raining in Washington. But anyway, it was, you know, I said, no, she needs that spot, you know. Well, she, she caught up to me in the store. She saw me and she said, I just have to tell you that I, I'm not used to people being courteous. She said, thank you. I said, I know. I said, courtesy is a rare commodity these days. But I said, I think that that's the least that we can do. She said, oh, I so agree. And we both happily went on my way. She felt blessed because of the parking spot, but I was blessed that I could give it to her, so to speak. So when we, when, see, God gave me that opportunity. You know, I actually pray that God will put me in, in line next to people who don't have enough money to pay for their groceries. And several occasions, God has answered that prayer, and I've been able to make up the little difference. Usually it's only 4 or $5. It's not a big amount. But they can't believe that a total stranger will say, uh, you know, let me help you with this. They're just not used to that kind of thing. And even though they don't know me and they don't know who I am and I didn't give them a Bible study, they probably don't have a clue that I'm a pastor. But I have a feeling the Holy Spirit is involved and he says something to their heart like, that was probably a Christian that helped you, you know? I think he does stuff like that. Now, the only reason I'm telling you this is because 
I think that if I'm going to come and talk with you about these things, I need to tell you how it works in my own life. I, I don't want to, to just come and tell you stuff without, being, uh, without giving you accountability and saying, this is what I try to do in my, my life. My wife and I like to set aside money every month that we can just give away. We have a separate column in our budget that it, it's called giving. It's besides tithe and offering. It's just money that we put there so that if I come across somebody who needs a little encouragement, I have some leeway to say, here, let me help you out with that. One time, my, my sisters and I, we were back here because of an illness in the family. And, uh, and so my four sisters and myself were gathered there at the Cracker Barrel. You ever eat at the Cracker Barrel? Did you know you can get vegetarian stuff at the Cracker Barrel? It's called green beans and corn. But anyway... But sometimes I like to eat there because they have awesome biscuits and tremendous cornbread. And I really like their peppermint, too. So, but we were eating at the Cracker Barrel. And when the meal was all over, uh, I, I was talking. They were, my sisters were talking to me. See, they're, they're not Adventists. I'm the only Adventist in the family. And they were talking to me about what my life was like as a pastor and about what I like to do. And so we were, here we were at the restaurant. And one of my favorite things to do when I can is to give a tip that is way bigger than most people would ever imagine. But only usually after I talk to people and get acquainted with them. I like to talk to the server and then say, uh, you know, tell me about your life. What are you, is this your main job? And most of the time, it's just a job from point A to point B. And they're going to school or something else like that. And so then I say, well, what are you studying? And they, they will tell me what, it, what they're doing. Well, this particular lady that was serving us, it was obvious that she was a single mother. And that became clear as I talked with her. And she's trying to go to school and, and have her kids cared for and make some money to try to make all this happen. And can you imagine the impossibility that she's facing? So I said to my sisters when they were asking me about things, I said, well, you know, I said, look, I said, here's something I like to do. I said, here's this young woman serving us. She's a single mother. I said, she's really struggling to make a living. And I said, I like to help people like that when I can. And I said, it just so happens, I have a little extra money this month. And I, I took a $20 bill out of my pocket, and I put it on the table. Now, my meal came to about $8. So I took a $20 bill out of my pocket, and I put it on the table, and I looked at my sisters, and I said, I said I'm going to help her. Now, what are you guys going to do? <laughs> now, you can do that with your sisters, you know. And so they all looked at me like that, and they said, well, we can do at least that much, you know. So we put over $100 on that table as a tip for that waitress. Now, I was content with doing that. And, uh, but my oldest sister, she had to peek. She just had to find out what happened. And so she kind of hung around so she could keep an eye on the table without really being noticed. And she told me that, and I didn't see it happen, but she told me that when the, the, the server came back, she was cleaning off the table, and she finds this pile of money with a note that my next oldest sister than myself had written saying, we know that you're working hard to take care of your family. We want you to take this and help ease the burden. She left that note there on the table. And my sister said, my oldest sister said, when she saw that money and she saw that note, she said she, she leaned over on the table and began to sob, began to heave, crying, tears flowing, just her, her chest shaking with that simple act of generosity. 
people just need a little help. They just need a little encouragement. And, you know, what's $20 really? You know, but when all of us give $20, look what happens. It made all the difference to that lady. Who knows? You know, you don't know. But it made all the difference to her. And she went away from that experience, and, and she was grateful. But who got the greater blessing? I've been living off that blessing all these years. I'm still being blessed by that experience. She paid some bills, and she was grateful. And maybe she's forgotten about that gift. But I haven't forgotten it. It's continued to warm my heart and, and help me in my life. 2 Corinthians 9.6. Just take your Bible out and follow along with me because we're going to go right through this. 2 Corinthians 9.6. It says, remember this. A farmer, and here's the key part of this verse. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. The emphasis isn't really on the crop. The emphasis in this verse is on the planting. We, we are called into this world to plant seeds for God. And, and they may not know who you are, they may not know what you stand for, but the Holy Spirit will take that and he will turn them to God, even though you don't talk much with them. Because who does stuff like that? Who, who does stuff like that? Almost nobody. And when you do, they come away from that and they feel that they've been in the presence of God. And you don't know, a brochure may come in the mail that week to a meeting. And, and they're saying, you know what, I'm going to go to that meeting. In heaven, you will see what those seeds that you planted accomplished. But we are here to plant these seeds. Now, I have a friend in my life who is a, a generous friend. I'll tell you some of the things he does. He regularly goes by the coffee hut that's near his workplace. And he, every week, will give them a sum of money. It's no less than $20, and sometimes it's $50. And he leaves that money at their disposal, and he, said, and he knows these girls and that the barista's there in that uh, coffee hut. And he knows that he can trust them. And so he gives them that money, and he says, Now, I want you to have this money, because some people are not going to have the change after they ordered their drink. And he said, Some people will have will have needs there, and you may be impressed that you'd like to do something nice for them, but maybe you didn't have the money, but now you do, and you can offer them something a little extra to make their day special. If you see somebody who seems discouraged, if you see somebody who seems heavy, heavy laden somehow, then use this money and just give them something extra to make their life a little happier that day. He goes by and he does that. He goes to the Mexican restaurant in his, his town on a regular basis, and he and his wife uh, both... Uh, speak Spanish fluently. He grew up as a missionary's child in Argentina, and she grew up part of her life in Mexico, and so they both speak Spanish fluently, but sometimes their words are not quite the same because Argentine Spanish is not like Mexican Spanish, okay? So, but they've got it all figured out. So, so they go there, and they, they get acquainted with the, the man that owns the, the restaurant, and they will leave him like $100 or $200 every month. This is what they do on a regular basis. And they will say to them, if somebody comes in that's homeless, you feed them and you charge it to us. If somebody comes in and they can't pay their bill, something happened, you charge it to us. And, and they, those people in that coffee hut and in that Mexican restaurant, they now study the Bible and pray 
with my friends all the time. Because they are being generous. They're, going, they're doing something out of the ordinary. They are being generous. So this is what they do. And they will go visit their friends. And when they go visit their friends, they, will, they save up money. They live very frugally. They, they make a fairly decent income, but they're not super rich. But, but they have decided that their life is going to be a life of generosity. And so they go to see their friends. And when they go to see their friends, including my kids, when they go visit them, they will say, now you must have a need. Can we help you? And they insist. And they say, look, either you tell us how we can help you or we're just going to write you out a check. That's what they do. So I was talking to him. His name is Dave. And I was, was talking to Dave, and his wife's name is Ingrid. One day about this, a few years ago, I was saying, I was saying, Dave, I said, you know, there aren't very many people like you in the world who are like this, spreading, sowing seeds of, for Christ like this in this way, doing what you can, sacrificing to give to other people in a generous way to make their life better. I said, there's not too many people like you. Well, see, what you don't know is that I baptized him. Baptized him. He, he grew up in a missionary's family, but he left the church way early in life. And he, he came back to the Lord in this district where I was pastoring, and I baptized him. And one day, when I was giving him Bible studies, we went to a, a restaurant. And I did what I told you a little while ago. I gave the, the lady there, because I knew her, and I knew what she was struggling with. I gave her a large tip. And Dave asked me about that. I'd totally forgotten about that. And I said, well, Dave, I don't have very much money. But I said, I, I just like to try to encourage people when I can. So when I was telling Dave that there weren't very many people like him and that he was giving all this money to all these people, he said, well, Kevin, he said, you're the one that taught me how to do it. You're just sowing seeds. You have no idea how it's going to be a harvest. You have no idea how, how that's going to turn out. But that simple, small little gesture of giving that girl in that restaurant that extra tip, that impressed this man. And look what he's done with it. He's taken it way beyond anything I could ever imagine. I can't, I can't even begin to think of all the thousands of dollars that he must have been given to all these people. He's known throughout that whole community as a, as a philanthropist. But he's not Bill Gates. You know, he doesn't have these big gobs of millions and billions of dollars, but he's got his hundreds and his thousands. But that whole community has been changed because of that couple going from place to place and doing these things. And there are people who are worshiping Jesus now because he's sowing all those seeds Open up your heart and live generously. Go above and beyond what is expected. You'll never be the poorer for it. God will bless you in so many different ways. And then you come to 2 Corinthians 9, 7. God blesses. That's what the word really means there. God blesses a person who gives cheerfully 
or willingly. See this guy in this video? Look what he's doing. This man went to on a mission trip. He had his bags packed, and when he came home, he had no clothes and no bags. He gave it all to the people who were there. He didn't plan to do that when he went, but what you see here is the last thing he did. He got onto the airplane in bare feet because he left his shoes with this little boy. Boy, I gotta, you're going to think all I do is cry here pretty soon. But You know, he can go home and pay a few bucks and get a new pair of shoes. No big deal. But this little boy, it probably changed his life. Gave him some dignity. Gave him some protection. He's, he's living a generous life. And when this man came back, he said, he said, Kevin, I'll never be the same. He said, that trip taught me to share, to be generous. He said, there's people all around me where I live who need my help. And as far as I know, he's continued to live a generous life. It's not always money. Sometimes it's showing up at the right time in the right place for somebody who needs this or needs that. But his, his whole attitude is that he's here to give. He's here to live a generous life. This quote stays with me all the time. The people will seldom rise higher than their minister. I take this as a sacred charge. I cannot expect my people to be faithful in tithes and offerings if I am not. I can't expect my people to give generously if I do not. I had a, a guy come to my, my, my home. He was the fundraiser for our parking lot fund. And they were going to visit everybody. And I was expecting to get a visit too. And he came to my home. And he said, Pastor, you're the first person on my list. And he said, I know I can count on you to give. He said, I don't know how much you can give. And he said, it doesn't matter how much you can give. He said, but I know you want to give. And he honored me just by saying, I know you, and I know that you will give. And I did. And we gave, my wife and I had talked about it, and we pledged a sum of money that was beyond what we thought we could give. And God took care of it. We, we wrote a check for that amount, and God took care of it. Because you can't outgive God. And when you are faithful and you, you stretch and you have faith, he will bless you. And so then I can stand up in the pulpit when, when we're calling for offerings and calling for, for extra special needs. I can stand there with a clear conscience and I can say to the people, please, let's all give. One church I had, a, a need came through from Adra that we saw that came through on a flyer. I don't know why, but I was especially impressed with that particular need. I, I, don't, I don't know why, but I took it to the board. And I said, look at this need. I said, what do you guys think? And immediately they were all impressed with that as well. It was like the Holy Spirit was, you know, contriving all this together. And so I said, you know, we don't, we don't have any clue what we should give, but let's pray right now and let's pray until, we, until God impresses us what we should give. So we took a considerable amount of time at that board meeting. We knelt down and we prayed and prayed and we all prayed and we all asked God to impress us what we should give to this ADRA project. And we all came up, all of us came up with an interesting figure of $6,000. I mean, you know, five would be 
uh, you know, you would think that would be a figure people might come up with, or 10, you know, but six. But we all came up with the figure of $6,000. There was really no discrepancy. We all were around that $6,000 figure. And so we said, okay, God has spoken. We're going to present to the congregation to raise $6,000 for this ADRA project. And we had that money raised within a month. And I got to do something I'd always wanted to do. I, I got to stand up in the pulpit on a particular Sabbath and say, folks, please stop giving. We already have more money than we hope to raise for that project. I had never been able to do that until that day. But because God was in it, I got the fun of standing there and being able to say, please quit giving. We don't need you to give to this project anymore. There's more in this fund than we have committed to spend. And everybody praised God. Everybody was smiling and praising God. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. It says, look at this. It says, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Look at that. And then in verse 11, it says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. That's a promise. You can take this home to your, to your wife, your, your husband. You can take this home and you can say, look, sweetheart, God says that he is going to generously provide all we need, and then he's going to provide for us a surplus so that we can always be generous. That's a promise. You can take that promise in prayer to God, put your finger on it, and say, God, you promised. Please provide for us the generosity that you have pledged, and we promise we will use it generously in your name. Isn't that exciting? I mean, I think that's worth a pretty good amen. Come on. All right, yeah, he's going to do that for you. I, can, I, I, I just can't possibly tell you how impressed I was one day when I was working with Dwight Nelson at, at a church in, in Oregon. And we were, like everybody, you know, we're raising money for worthy students every year, you know, trying to get these kids through school. And the, the, the fundraiser for the Worthy Student Fund, he said, ladies and gentlemen, he said, I want to introduce to you a member of our congregation that many of you don't know because she is very uh, humble and, and quiet in her manner, but I want to introduce you to her. I have a picture of a hand on a thermostat here because here's what this lady was doing. Now, she had enough money to live in her old age. She was doing all right, but she really wanted to help kids go to school. So here's what she did. She, every winter during the school year, she would keep her thermostat turned way low, like 55 or 60 degrees. And, and we're talking, you know, the northwest. It gets cold there. All right, so she had her thermostat kept low like that, and she would wear layers, several layers of clothing, and she would eat only like a meal or two a day to save money on her food bill. She looked at everything in her life, and she said, well, I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this, and you won't believe me when I tell you that she single-handedly assisted two to three kids every year to go to school, to go to academy, to go to academy by sacrificing that way for God. I sat there, and I looked at this woman as if she was God because for a person to behave that way, they have to know Jesus. For a person to, to sacrifice even what some of us would consider essential needs, but she was willing to do that so that she could help kids get a Christian education. 
that just absolutely inspired me. So if she can do that, then brothers and sisters, what could we do? See, we, most of us wouldn't have to go to that extreme to find some extra dollars here and there to help kids go to school or to help be generous in some other way. 2 Corinthians 9.13, what's going to happen? As a result of this ministry, what is this ministry he's talking about? Generosity. Generosity is a ministry. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. Isn't that something? So one day, this little old gal, she's about 18, 19, maybe 20 at the time. She's on her skateboard, and she's skating back to her home. You know what her home is? It's a tent under a bridge in Spokane where I was pastoring at the time. She was born in a refrigerator unit in Arizona. Her mother was homeless, and this girl was raised homeless. She was homeless all her life. And she's on a skateboard, and she's on her way back to her little tent under the bridge in Spokane, Washington. And as she's on her skateboard going by, she just happens to notice all these cars in our parking lot. It's Sabbath morning. Church is going on. And she's thinking, hmm, something's going on here. I'm going to go check it out. So she stops, picks up her skateboard, and walks in, her tennis shoes, you know, her Converse-style tennis shoes and her tattered clothing and, and, you know, kind of, you know, not really kept real perfect. She's kind of unkempt in her appearance. And she comes in, and our... our uh, Greeters have taught to be generous. How, how, do they, how do they be generous? They welcome everybody. Welcome everybody. That's generous. You welcome everybody. And so they had this generous attitude, and they welcomed her, and they said, welcome. We're glad you're here. And she said, what is this? What's going on? This is church. And she said, on Saturday? And they said, yeah, we have church on Saturday. And she said, wow, that's cool. And they said to her, you want to check it out? And they, she said, yeah, I want to check it out. So they said, well, come on in. And they seated her, and she sat there with her skateboard in the pew, and she's watching everything that happens. She doesn't know anything. She, doesn't, she can't even tell what's going on. She's never even had a Bible. She doesn't know anything about God or the Bible or anything. Totally, you might say, totally secular and homeless. And so here she is. So, but the people sitting around her were, were taught to be generous, and they're generous. And so they approach her and say, hey, we're, we're happy you're here. What's your name? And her, she said, well, my name's Gina Salazar. And they said, well, we're very happy to meet you. And they said, hey, you know, do you have a place to eat lunch today? She said, no. She said, well, would you come to our home to eat lunch? They're generous. They, they make the invitation for lunch. And so she says, no, I don't have a place to eat. So they invite her home for lunch. So she goes there. And so she said, wow, this was a cool experience. So she showed up the next Sabbath because she likes generosity. So she came back the next Sabbath. And they were just as generous the second Sabbath, and even more so because here she's come back. So again, invitations for dinner. And by this time, we were acquainted. So we took her to where there was a dinner. She rode in our car. We got acquainted. I learned all the things I just told you. And then, then she said, hey, pastor, she said, uh, hey, after we eat, is it possible you could give me a ride to this home over here in East Spokane? She said, that's where my daughter is. I said, you have a daughter? She said, yeah. She said, I, I had her quite young by, by a guy I knew several years ago. And she said, uh, but she can't live with me because I'm homeless. And she said, so she lives, she lives with these foster parents. But she said, I can go see her once in a while. And today is a visitation day. Could, would you take me by to see her? I said, sure. She says, well, I'll try to make it fast. I said, you don't need to make it fast. So you can be generous with your time. I said, you don't need to make it fast. She said, okay. She said, so... 
She said, it might be an hour or so. I said, that's okay. We'll sit in the car and we'll wait. It'll be all right. We've got things we can do. We can talk. We can read our Bible. We can pray. We can do a lot of things in an hour. I said, it's no problem. So she goes in there and she visits with her daughter for an hour, comes out crying, comes back to the car, gets in the car. She's quiet. Finally, she's got her composure and she says, thank you so much. She says, I, I really wish I could have my daughter, but I can't have my daughter unless I have a job. And I, and I, I can't get a job because I don't have a, a post office address. She says, and I can't, she says I, I can't have a car because I don't have a job. She says, I'm just stuck. I said, no, Gina, you're not stuck. I said, we're going to help you. And she started to cry again. I said, we will help you get your daughter back. We'll help you. And so we began to do just that. And I, I asked around in town, and I found a guy in town who operated a shelter for homeless people, but he had a separate place for homeless women. And I said, do you have any openings? He said, yes, we have a couple of, of rooms that are open. I said, how much does it cost? What do we have to do? And he says, well, if you work with the city, he said, it doesn't cost as much. I said, okay, we'll do whatever we got to do. So we took it through the proper channels, but we, we got her into this home. So now she has an address. Did you hear that? So now she has an address. And that just totally opened up her world. And so, so then she started going to school. And we helped her get to school and helped her get started with that. She needed a car. We found a guy, an Adventist guy, was a mechanic. And we paid for the parts. And, and he got this car together. And he donated the car to her. So now she has a car. And now she's able to find a job. And so she's going to school. She's got a job. She has a place. And oh, happy day, she came. She was coming to church all this time. And oh, happy day, she comes to church one day and she says, Pastor, I get my daughter back this week. I said, praise the Lord. And we gave her a hug and we were just so happy for Gina. And one thing after another, now her life was turning. She gave her life to Jesus. She took Bible studies. I baptized her. Now she's one of the secretaries in the Upper Columbia Conference Office. All because of generosity on the part of church members who, who said, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this. And one act of generosity at a time led her closer and closer to Jesus until she was ready to be baptized. And by the way, in case you forgot, what I just described for you is called health ministry. Because caring for the homeless and the poor is part of health ministry. Most of what we do, the reason why health stuff doesn't baptize people is because most of it is health education. What I just described for you is health ministry. And when you do health ministry, there will be baptisms. But that's a whole separate itself. So brothers and sisters, I just, I just uh, in my feeble way, I just want to call you to have an attitude and a life of generosity. I want to ask you to do that on a pastor's income, to just live a generous life and experience the joy and the blessing that comes from doing the extra. I want to call on my friend Leslie and my friend Rick, and I can truly say that I love them. Rick feels like part of my family. Uh, and, and Jerry, his brother, my treasurer, I want to call on them to, to be an example, to be generous, to go beyond. I don't know how you can do it. 
and I don't know what you can do. But these people need your generosity. And I want to call on you to go beyond the salary, go beyond the, the stuff that is expected, and do the unusual thing, because these people need generosity too. And when you have a pastoral team and you have a, a teaching team that is experiencing generosity, then they become enthusiastic and excited about who they are and what they do. That's my charge to you. My charge to you, pastors and families is, and lay leaders who are here, is to say, I don't know how yet, and I don't know what yet, but by God's grace, I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a generous person. I'm going to go above and beyond what God has called me to do in whatever way I can, however I can, to whoever I can, and trust that he will take those seeds that have been planted, water them, and that there will be a harvest from that somehow, some way. You know, there's that bumper sticker that says, uh, senseless acts of beauty and random acts of kindness. And I think that, that Jesus, if he were here, that could almost be his, his missionary statement, that I will be wherever I can, to whoever I can, whatever I can, as long as I can, as John Wesley said. So I'd like you to stand with me in a prayer of commitment. And I'd like to call upon you to join with me uh, in, in striving to help others. I'm trying to help my brothers and sisters in, my, in ministry get out of debt and, and, and live an abundant life. I really want to do that. I'm praying that God helps me to do that. I really want to do that. And I, I'm going to ask you to join me in that prayer. See, you look around this room, and what could you do for a brother or sister in this room who's laboring? Yeah, you know, we could all take a critical attitude and say, well, you know, they got themselves into debt, and they can just get themselves out. Well, I'm sure glad Jesus didn't have that attitude. They got themselves into sin. They can just get themselves out. I want to ask you to be generous toward each other, help each other. Maybe a fund needs to be established that pastors can contribute to for the benefit of other pastors. I don't know. But we've got to do something to help us all get out of debt and have a surplus so that we can be givers and really lead our congregations and our schools in a dynamic upward direction. I'm calling on you to do that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it was never your will that any of us be a slave. You have called us to liberty. But Lord, the fact is, is that several of us, maybe many of us, are enslaved to debt, paying hundreds and thousands of dollars a year in interest, just trying in some cases to pay a medical bill or buy tires for the car, even sometimes to pay a school bill or put clothes on our back. Lord, that was never your will. You don't want us to live that way. It doesn't bring glory to you. So, Lord, I'm praying that you help these brothers and sisters here in, in Carolina. Please help them to become completely debt-free. Oh, God, we would praise you to be able to get to that place. And I'm going to be specific, Lord. And I'm going to ask you to cause every pastor and family in this conference to be debt-free within two years. I know you can do that. I absolutely am confident 
that you can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. So, Lord, I'm, I'm just pleading with you. And bless Rick, my dear friend, and Leslie, my good friend. Bless them, Lord, as they try to give leadership. And, and Dale and Rick Hutchins, as they try to give leadership in this area of generosity, show them how to help liberate the workforce so that we can truly lift our heads up and give praise and glory to God for the great things that he has done. Now I want you to take a moment in silent prayer. Would you be willing to pray this prayer to God and say, Dear God, what can I do? What should I do on my part in prayer, my part of prayer? Lord, what can I do to get out of debt and, lead and live a generous life? Just take that time right now and just pray and ask God, what can you do? The cattle on a thousand hills, the rocks in every mine. He owns the rivers and the rocks and rills, the sun and stars that shine. Wonderful blessing more than tongue can tell. He is my father, so they're mine as well. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know that he will care for me. Dear Father, it's nothing at all for you to bless my brothers and sisters here with prosperity. Please do this so that they may live a generous life. And help them, Lord, to take those first steps, as it were, to put their feet in the Jordan. And as they begin to obey and do their part, I know you will bless them. And bless this conference, Lord, that they may lead the way in being generous so that everybody up and down the East Coast, across this nation, and around the world will get the message that our God is an awesome God. He can do anything. And that when we put our trust in you and obey you, then we link up with omnipotence and wonderful things will follow. So bless us, Lord, to this end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.